0: Welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome and thank you again for joining today. I think you are going to enjoy our content today, I know I'm going to enjoy it. In fact, just getting to say the title, which I get to say by rule at the beginning of the episode, and then of course at the very end, already puts a smile on my face. Today's title is, All Right, All Right, All Right. Okay, that was a really terrible Matthew McConaughey impression, but you probably recognize it It's actually a movie line from some film he did in the 90s that I never saw, but it has become this iconic representation of this famous actor's personality and outlook on life. While he is famous all over the world, he is particularly loved in this area of East Texas. He went to high school in Longview, which is about an hour from here. I think last year he did the commencement speech there or something. He went to school at the University of Texas in Austin. He still lives in Austin, actually has taught some classes there. People love him around here. But that's not why I've mentioned him today, nor why his familiar phrase has made up our title. Instead, I want to talk to you about a book that he wrote. Just a couple of weeks ago, Matthew McConaughey released a book called Green Light. It really represents a memoir of his life, And he's had quite an interesting and wild one. But within it are a few basic principles, fundamental ideas that he was taught as a child in his home. And now that he is a parent of a 12-year-old son, a 10-year-old daughter, and a son who's about to be 8, he said those three things still hold. I have made sure, to be more specific, that there were three things that my kids are not allowed to say. There are three things that cannot be accepted if it comes out of their mouth. He learned about this, as I said, from a very young age. While he was certainly raised in a highly dysfunctional family, he remembers his first four whippings. He said, the first spanking I ever got is when I answered to someone as a kid who had called me Matt? His mom said, "You're no doormat, Matt. You're Matthew." And he got a spanking for that. Maybe you disagree with the punishment for that crime, but he said that was the first one I ever got. He said the next three, though, were for things that I said that I should not have. And as I have been thinking through these things, a few things occurred to me. Number one, these are very biblical principles. I'm not sure how religious his home life was. As I've begun to read his book recently, I would think not very. But biblically speaking, there is a good defense for the three things that I'll be sharing with you today. I certainly agree with him that I don't want any of my four kids, not now, not ever, saying these things. And of course, most importantly to the Excel Still More program, is me, or in this case, you. I hope that you will likewise agree that these aren't the kind of things that you want to say. And of course, you and I know that to the extent that we discipline the words that come out of our mouths, it benefits our family, whether it's our spouse or our children or parents or whoever it might be. So I will be sharing those with you today, spanking number two, three, and four for a young McConaughey. But first, I feel like I should tell you a little bit about his book, Green Light. I went ahead and purchased it this last week to do some reading in preparation for this episode. And he uses language that I do not use. If you have sensitivity to words that Christians don't say, it's probably not the book for you. I'm pretty sure I won't be finishing it. In fact, I went ahead and fleshed out what I learned from him on these three points from interviews that he gave and articles written about him, and I'm probably not going to finish the book. But hey, there's the benefit for you. In under 20 minutes, you will get the main thrust that went from his childhood to those of his children, and I think it should go to ours as well. So let's jump in. McConaughey says the second whipping he ever got is for saying I hate you to my brother. He has made it an abiding principle in his house that no matter what anyone does to you, no matter what they say, we do not allow hate into our heart and we do not let it escape in any fashion by saying, I hate you. I feel like that's a message that we need right now. Think about everything we've dealt with this year. And now here we are in this contested election, and there's so much vitriol, so much anger from one side against the other. We're seeing elevated rhetoric about race issues, police officers, minorities, everyone. We even have bitterness and strife in our churches over safety protocols. And yet Jesus was abundantly clear, love God and love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Love those who love you. Love those who don't love you. We know that the Lord loved us. The Father loved us so much that even in our sin, when we didn't even deserve to exist, He sent His Son to die for us to make salvation possible for people who had done Him wrong. There are very few cases where the word hate should be used in a Christian home. I'm reminded of some biblical cases where God said there are seven things that I hate. We hate sin. We hate things that hurt people, but we never hate other people. Now, as I say that, you're probably thinking, well, I've said that occasionally, but I didn't mean it. I didn't mean the literal definition of hate, that it is a complete absence of love much like darkness is the complete absence of light. I just meant I was mad at them, or I wanted them to know how serious I was. To that I would say, you should never be so serious about something that anyone does to you that you would express it in the terminology of lovelessness or hate. And remember, our kids don't get all of that subtext they don't read well sarcasm or just kidding when you're using such extreme terminology. When my children have said, I hate you, to a sibling, and it has happened, it just means I am totally infuriated with you right now, and I want you to feel some pain. I'm afraid that if we accept language like that and we use language like that, that it will cause us as Christians To lose or tarnish our basic message, programming at its fundamental level, and that is, God loves everyone, and we love everyone. People make mistakes. People need to change. We hate the sin, but we never hate, nor are we hateful towards sinners. After all, I is one, aren't you? Now, listen, I know that liberals like McConaughey and others, what they mean is don't judge anyone. Don't say you hate anyone. Everyone is fine as long as they're not hurting someone else. We love everybody. And you might be thinking, well, that's not right. Well, it's the right thing with the wrong application. No, I don't accept the sin that people do. I don't applaud people and say, do whatever you want, but I still love them. I love every single one of them. And by the way, if you're looking for something practical in your family or in your marriage, when you are angry with someone, when they have done you wrong, when it is boiling up inside of you, if your next three words are, I love you, the outcome will be very different. So hey, I may not follow all of the implications of the point, but I'm with McConaughey on this. I shouldn't use the word hate and I shouldn't tolerate it in my home. I should say, kids, we have the love of God in us and so we don't hate anyone. All right, so to recap, the first spanking he ever got was letting someone call him Matt and being okay with it. The second spanking was for saying I hate you to his brother and the third was simply for saying two words, I can't. Now, I'm not so sure that he Spanks his children for saying, I can't. But nonetheless, it is not tolerated in his home. If your initial instinct, and with kids, it's always their initial instinct. They haven't trained for things or tried it a hundred times. If your initial instinct is to see something hard and say, I can't do that. That is not accepted in his house. And I have to be honest with you, it's not accepted in mine either. I have one child of the four who says this quite often, or at least he used to. I don't want to point out which one it is, but it's Nicholas, and he's nine. He's actually a talented kid who can do a lot of things well, but his initial instinct when he sees something hard is to say, I can't do that. Probably he's comparing himself to his older brother. You know, we all do that sometimes. We see something hard, and we think, I'll never be able to do it as good as someone else, and so we say, I can't. We don't try. We're not willing to fight for it, and I think that's where he's coming from, but we've nixed that in our home. And firstly, I had to self-analyze. Is my son hearing this from me? Is he hearing a self-defeated attitude? And I'll say this, he probably did when he was younger, but not so much in the last year and a half. The Excel still more process has taught me that perfection is not attainable, but everything worthwhile is worth trying, and you don't know if you can't do it until you've put in the work to accomplish it. In the end, whether it's something related to faith, or building friendships, or rebuilding friendships, or changing your financial situation, or even fitness, it turns out in most cases we can do a lot more than what we thought we couldn't do, initially. So I'm carrying that message into my home. I think about all of the New Testament verses with regard to our Christian walk. It's really tough. Discipline is tough. Repentance is tough. But we're told that in Christ, Philippians 4, we can do all those things. And if I let my son default in his younger years to saying, I can't make that shot, I can't finish these vegetables, I'm concerned that attitude could carry over into much more important things. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, sometimes I truly can't. And I know what you mean. I'm 41 years old. I cannot dunk a basketball. I will never at this point be able to dunk a basketball. So you say, sometimes you can say I can't. Let me advise you in this way. If you are tempted to say those two words, be sure and follow it with some form of an explanation. Instead of saying, I can't run that 5K, say, I can't yet. But here's the plan. We take our limitations and we put them in the present, but we see ourselves surpassing them in the future. And if it's something like trying to dunk a basketball, say something like this, I can't because. And then analyze very carefully what you say after that. My nine-year-old was pretty good at saying, I can't because, but the words that followed weren't true. He never really gave himself a chance. And I'm thankful to say he's made some huge strides in that way. But part of it was us saying, we don't talk like that, or at least not until you've given it your best shot. All right, our final point is the one the Bible says the most about. McConaughey said the fourth whipping I ever got was for telling a lie about a pizza I stole. So maybe we should talk about stealing being a bad thing, but I think we know that. He knew that. The problem was, as a child, he thought that the advantages of lying about it, to avoid the humiliation, to avoid the punishment, was worth the risk. And in the interview that I watched, he said, This one I'm super emphatic about. My kids must always tell the truth. No matter how embarrassing it is, no matter what punishment comes out of it, there is an integrity factor to owning up to your mistakes. This one is all throughout Scripture. I'm reminded of the very end in Revelation 21 where it talks about this lake of fire where no one wants to go and all of these horrendous people are there who commit the most atrocious of sins and live in those sins. They don't repent of them and mixed right in with it in Revelation 21 and in verse 8 are liars. And if you look at that list, maybe it is the most dangerous of all because once you get a little payout here and a little cover-up there, it becomes easy to not just tell a lie, but to become a liar, someone who defaults to covering it up. And the big problem, biblically speaking, with lying is if I continue to lie or maintain that lie, then I cannot and will not be forgiven by God. 1 John 1 says, you confess your sins and he is faithful and righteous to forgive you. But the problem with lying is it leads to more cover-up lying and a habit of continuing in a practice that can be very hard to break. Now again, I know why we do it or have done it. I know why people do it. Because nobody wants to face immediate consequences. So here's the way I'm explaining it to my children. I'm going to ask you something. You can tell me the truth or you can lie to me. That decision is yours. But know this, the consequences of telling the truth, whatever it costs you, whatever happens, will be much much easier to bear and to get past than the burden of lying about it. This reminds me of my favorite proverb and my family has heard me quote it more than a few times, Proverbs 28:13, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. I hope that's a principle that is alive in your life with your spouse, kids, or parents. If you tell the truth as hard as it will be, as hurtful as it might be, it triggers compassion and trust in the other person. And look, I don't know about the McConaughey household. I don't know how often they talk about God. And I don't know if he even understands, as beautiful as the instruction is to never tell a lie, I don't know if he understands the greatest point of all, but I hope that you do with God, if we confess, if we just admit it, no matter how hard it is, he can and he will forgive us. And there's really no way to get past it until we've been forgiven. And you can't get forgiven until you've told the truth. That's what confession is. I've definitely done my share, at this age at least, of counseling parents and teenagers, husbands and wives, and I'll tell you this, until there is truth presented in such a way that it is believed and accepted by the other person, there cannot be peace. Truth is always an ingredient to peace. Well, there you go. You not only have unnecessary information about Matthew McConaughey's first four spankings, but you also know about three things he will not allow his children to say, three things that you and I must get out of our lives so that we can replace them with love, with optimism, and with honesty. Share it with your family tonight, whoever they may be. We do not use the word hate. Instead, we work our problems and our frustrations from a position of love. We do not default to saying, I can't. If things are important, we plan away and we optimistically give it our best shot. And we do not lie to one another. We tell the truth, and as long as we do that, compassion and trust will get us through anything. And maybe that positive outlook will help us say instead that everything is going to be all right, all right, all right. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.